the day you stop learning is the same day you stop living by Albert Einstein. And we're off. What is going on, my man? What's up, brother? Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. You're uh you're a fairly popular dude from what I remember, so I'm sure this is going to be uh, more beneficial to me than it would be for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember? Like high school? Yeah, I mean, that's mostly where, where I knew you from is from high school and from knowing. I mean, we didn't really know each other as much as we knew the same circle of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, but aham which i anthony hamilton was was never something i knew i i knew aham and aham was the talk of the town from what i remember a little crazy when i was younger a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but uh i mean you you had you had the people you had you had a big following if that's uh if that's one way to say it you're uh you're always a fairly popular fella has that that just come natural you know, good and bad. I always feel like, I always feel like I've always like had, always done big things. You know what I mean? And you know what? Uh, you know what's crazy is that you're my second in a row, and like fifth or sixth, maybe, maybe even seventh person on from Community High or what we would call Butcher. Yeah, I feel like it's becoming a trend for, um, for my podcast is to have basically everyone that was at butcher at the time that I was there. I've had a, a, a couple of students as well as both Mr. B and Miss Collins. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I listened to Mr. B's. That was interesting as hell. Yeah. You know what I find is that them two and I've had one other teacher who wasn't, he wasn't my teacher. He's somebody I know from another, from Facebook actually, but um, teachers are really good podcast guests they're just they i mean i guess it makes sense right they spend most of their time just talking to a group of people lecturing yeah so talking no, yeah the void and, is the same yeah and especially those two i feel like it's awesome as hell that mr b stays so in tune with everybody on facebook because he has people that graduate like every year you know what i'm saying so he's constantly meeting new people and allowing them onto his facebook and i'm sure that the people that i don't no, he's still interacting with all the people that you know went out and reached out to him after high school and you know just always showing support you know what i mean yeah and that's not something you have to do like right you you can a lot of people would choose to keep their work life and their personal life completely separate and like i don't need people especially like teachers i don't need former students coming and talking to me and coming getting involved in my life and stuff like that like, yeah. and that would not be a crazy thing. That wouldn't be like, Oh, what a dickhead. That'd be the, what we would expect a normal thing to be. But, right. but both Mr. B and Miss Collins, um, interact with their students and keep relationships of, of sorts with their students. I don't want to make it sound like they're having any inappropriate relationships. That's not what I'm saying, but like, right. but they keep in touch and they keep supportive, uh, dialogue between themselves and their students and, the same supportive characters that held you up when you were a high school student are still doing that once you're a fully grown adult outside of high school living in the real world and it's it's really nice to be honest seriously and they're getting paid exactly zero dollars to go out of their way and do that you know what i'm saying it's just out of the kindness of their heart 
And I feel like I heard, I saw somebody get in an argument with Mr. B about something. And they came out and like pointed out there like, you're a teacher, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like you get paid this much. And I had to, I was like, that's not what this is about. That's not what being a teacher is about. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's about literally sacrificing your life for the greater good. You know what I'm saying? Knowing you have something special when it comes to helping other people and spending your life doing that. Say, I don't care. The, the money isn't a thing at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's sort of the same thing as, uh, I'm sure you've seen Notorious, the Biggie movie. Yeah. That part of the movie where Biggie gets up and he starts doing the math. Like, you said I was going to be a trash man. This is what a trash yeah. man makes. And this is what a teacher <laughs> makes. Mic drop. And I'm like, oh, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think they signed up to be a teacher for the paycheck, my guy. You're All right. Making you know a weird I mean? point. <laughs> But I guess it helped the narrative of the movie, but just to back your point, they're not generally, they know what they're signing up for. When you say, I'm going to be a teacher. Nobody's like, Oh, you gonna make them buku bucks. Like that's, it's not, that's not the expectation. That's not what it's about. Right. And you're right though. It did help the narrative narrative of the movie. And then like, sometimes you'll hear rap songs and it's like, teachers really cussed you out that bad <laughs> you know what i mean it's like really and like they said half, that half the time i'm like they probably didn't say that yeah they're, prob- you know. they're probably like you're going down a bad road and he's like oh i'll spin that in 20 years yeah <laughs> but i mean i have had um i have had teachers like the teachers we're talking about are really good but i have had teachers who have done some said some really out of line shit to me like yeah uh and i I wonder if you've had similar experiences but like i had um i had a principal who has a plaque outside it was my elementary school principal Mm -hmm. when i was in the office he told me i was a terrible terrible child which is like a weird thing to say to an elementary school kid as a yeah uh I had a teacher, um, I wasn't in special ed, but he was the special ed teacher and he mm-hmm. saw me in the hallway and I was trying to get to class and he fucking tackled me. Jeez. You know, I heard you're not supposed to do that. Um, and then I had a fucking teacher in high school. I had just been gone for three months because of an anxiety disorder, which has ended up being the reason why I got sent to butcher. And mm-hmm. um, I come back and I, my therapist has like, signed off on me coming to school for like half days and trying to work into being okay in that environment. Like my anxiety was really bad at that point. And I was in chemistry class and this teacher, I I was like, uh, my anxiety is really set off by chemicals. I can't, this experiment thing we're doing right now, I can't chemicals. I I feel like it's drugs. I'm not, not doing it. And she, she like went off on me. She was like, you're faking it. This whole anxiety thing is fake. You're trying to get one over on me. And, like, we got into a screaming match. But, like, a teacher just told me that my mental condition that has got me out of school for three months, I I made it up. That you wish you could help. Right. The least you could do is not put me around, like, uh, hear me when I say that this is a trigger. Instead, you're like, you're fake. Um, So, like, the, the whole point was just, like, maybe those rappers aren't making that shit up. Because yeah. teachers will say some out of line shit for you, to you if no. like if you don't get the right ones. No, yeah, that is true. You know what I mean. And me, you know, getting all in trouble most of the time. I feel like is constant things that, you know, 
you'd get set apart from the class and you know but over time i feel like you build a nasty relationship and i feel like i try and like block out the nasty things that were said to me you know what i'm saying bringing home to school constantly because that's all you do when you're young you don't know how to separate it you know what i'm saying yeah and um <clears throat> no i hear you yeah man uh you you said you got in trouble a lot when you were in school yeah do you think that um because this happened for me and i was wondering if it happened to you that like the the because you got in trouble a lot for things that you did do all of a sudden you started getting blamed for things that you didn't do and started yeah. getting in trouble for like the smallest thing that other kids wouldn't get in trouble for yeah and you start to build like a culture for yourself in a way you know what i mean yeah they're like this kid did something before so it it, it must have been him and mm-hmm. it's it's weird like i mean we're we're in a country where the criminal justice system is uh innocent until proven guilty but like in school if you get if you get uh if you get off on the wrong foot and you were having a bad day a couple of times all of a sudden now you have a reputation that it doesn't matter if you do anything wrong because of those couple of bad days now you're the guy that did everything wrong every time anything happens yeah exactly in that group you know yeah the whole the whole friend group that you have mhm and you're you're just in a sea of people that they can easily blame shit on when they when it doesn't go right um mm-hmm. but uh one of the things that I wanted to talk, to come up with and talk about was um at our graduation you you were able to actually get up and on stage and give a speech and give like yes uh, a tale of your life and I know that the people from butcher heard it but it's not only people from butcher who listen to this podcast i don't think um, right you got people from like indonesia and shit on here i literally do i, I uh <laughs> I, I, have you seen those posts because i get excited yeah. about people from other countries start listening and it shows me the demographics and i'm like yeah. india germany fucking like brazil and there's like 12 of them and i'm like how are you even hearing of this? I mean, I guess more than that <laughs> is a pretty simple thing, like a simple thing to come across because it's a run-of-the-mill type of name. Mm-hmm. But, geez, I I mean, how are some of these countries are not like English-speaking countries. What are you even listening to? Why? <laughs> right. Like imagine you, you just wonder. listening to something in like fucking Portuguese. Yeah. No, but, some uh, people, you know, you you never know. The only thing I think about is like those people that are in your inbox that are like, oh yeah, I'll flip you, flip your two hundred and fifty to five hundred, and their name is like <laughs> just a bunch of lines. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Don't don't send the ten thousand dollars to a um Ni- Nigerian prince. Yeah, it's probably the same company that's like your card's extended warranty. <laughs> that motherfuckers call every day. Like they're really stop. concerned that I that I extend that warranty. <laughs> like if I want to fuck my car up, let it be my problem. Right, but no, me um my little story when I was younger, I you know, haven't sat down and broke down and 
talked about it or reflect on it too much you know what i'm saying you don't you know constantly going into new professions and you know just being at work most of the time you don't want to really open up like hey when i was younger i was arrested with seven felonies you know what i'm saying so i keep it to myself for the most part but like but would you be willing to break it down yeah i don't mind man yeah don't go long story short go long story even longer (laughs) oh yeah i was just looking at i was just looking at how long these are and it looked like they're like hour and a half two hours yeah they can be as long as they end up being um i don't really have a time frame for it um generally it's it ends up being about 90 minutes every time but Mm -hmm. if it ends up being 40 minutes or if it ends up being three hours like whatever it just is what yeah. it is. I, I've got a general set of topics that I try to get to. And mm-hmm. once we get through them, then, then we're pretty much done. But if it takes us a day and a half to get there, then I hope the, hope the audio holds up. I'm with it. Let's make the long story long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because well, the, the reason I especially say that is because, like, when you tell a story at a high school graduation, I'm assuming you have to, like, not censor it, but like you you leave out some of the gory details for the sake of like not telling your high school principal exactly what led you to where and like what type of behavior. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was wondering if I can get the director's cut. That uh, yeah. So, so yeah, just go ahead and tell tell the story that you told there about uh, because it, it really is a, a story that was about overcoming um issues and now i feel like in your life you've overcome even further yeah i feel like i feel like the day you stop learning you stop living you know what i mean and honestly i wrote i wrote down a different different favorite quote to bring to the table but that's the one i'm going to choose you know what i'm saying is the day when the day you stop i don't remember who said it but the day you stop learning i feel like it's the day you stop living you know what i mean i do feel like you know, my battles with drugs and stuff that I've had in the past, I don't feel like it's ever that. I feel like it's a constant every single, you know, every day trying to move forward and take a step forward in an everyday fight in a way, you know what I mean? But when I was younger, I don't know, I was, um, there's a single mom. My parents got divorced when I was three and okay. I was born in Florida. My parents got divorced when I was three. My dad slept with somebody else and actually got her pregnant. And yeah, I came back to Michigan with my mom and my grandparents most of the time raised me. My mom was um, a pretty bad alcoholic for a while until I was, you know, maybe mid teens. And then my dad was, has always been an alcoholic drug addict. And I don't think, you know, he's, he loosens up here and there, but that's a lifestyle for him, you know, that he can't seem to get away from, you know, I'm I'm still keeping, yeah, I still keep in contact with him as much as I can, you know what I mean? mostly for me, but I love him to death at the end of the day, but so they got a divorce and he was in the picture most of the time until I was like 12 or 13. He was like abusive in ways, you know what I'm saying? Like he would beat up my mom. One time my grandma came over to the apartment we lived in at 14 and Shaner. That's where we grew up at Sterling Lake Apartments. Me, Antonio, um, Martin, and then Archie, we all grew up there since we were like five or six years old. And Jacob oh, Johnson. Yeah, right there on, you said 14 and Shaner? Yeah. Yeah, I had a buddy that lived in the apartments. I forget what they're called, but the apartments that are, like, touching those apartments, the other ones. Fieldstone. Fieldstone. Yeah, one of my yeah, best friends the lived interviews. there. Brandon Steele lived there. 
Oh yeah, it was like it was like Michigan, Michigan State, and those apartments. <laughs> it, was, it was a big rivalry going on. <laughs> yeah, but I was probably like eight, so it was probably just it. <laughs> but no, me, Jacob Johnson, uh, Antonio Martin, and then Archie Adams, and and then Dorian. I don't think you've ever met him. God rest his soul. He grew up with us all there too, and a good amount of people like that we grew up with them leaving us out a lot yeah it was the all-star squad you know what i'm saying but it all started there you know what i mean and like one time my grandma came there at the second apartment we lived in and it was just a one floor and she said that she answered the door and she's like it's hope there because hope's my mom's name and she's like mom it's me like my dad broke my mom's face so bad that my grandma can't even recognize her you know what i'm saying and it was on and off that I remember one time I literally saw my dad fighting five cops and beating the shit out of them out of that window. You know what I mean? I guess he was doing something, but um, he, I remember he was beating the shit out of like five different cops and he was winning the first half of it. And then he got his ass beat bad and ribs broke. But, you know, growing up there, it was not bad except for the constant fighting you know what I mean and it was in and out and something one thing after another like my dad's totaled like 16 of my mom's cars and the last one he flipped like 20 times and the only reason he was alive is because he didn't wear a seatbelt and shit it was just a tons of craziness you know and things that would you know cause a lot of childhood trauma and, and for the really people open. who might not be from our area like 14 and Chainer in Michigan is not a bad area so it's no it's a it's like a nice place to live it i mean i'm like a mile and a half two miles away from there and it's it's generally deemed as a nice area i mean so you don't expect this type of story coming out of that area either right and it's a ton of stories you know what i'm saying and a lot of it i'm uh, pretty sure my brain has like tried to block it out because there's a lot of pain associated with it you know what i right. mean and that's a part of growing and shit, but like, um, they, you know, it was on and off pretty much till I was like 14. And then it was like the final straw, you know what I mean? And, and my, I remember my dad some, said something to me that I'll never forget. And it was like the worst thing. And I re- I brought it up to him probably like two years ago, you know what I mean? And I feel like it'd make me feel better. And it did, but he said something to me, he was like, I remember we went up north, me, my mom, my little brother, and then he stayed home and he had this like party when we were gone. And I remember when I came back, he, we came back and the house was kind of like put together. I couldn't tell. I just wanted to hang out with my dad. When I was always young, I always thought my dad was the God. He was the best. Right. Fuck whatever you say, mom, because my dad is right. You know what I'm I saying? I feel like He's that's the, the case for most little boys is your dad's a superhero. Your dad's the coolest exactly you know no matter what the hell he did or anybody told me he did he was still number one you know what i'm saying and everyone else is wrong and we came back and i remember this kind of fucked me up but even after that i still wanted to reconnect with him like hardcore but he my mom went around the house and she like scanned the house and she found a bunch of empty liquor bottles at the bottom of the garbage can and upstairs she found like an empty bag of like dope and she found a spoon with aluminum foil and it was like burnt and shit and a bunch of paraphernalia, you know what I'm saying? Empty like needles and stuff. And it was all like in her closet under her shit. And like, like he found it last minute and shoved it under there right. or something, not thinking about it, talking about it. And 
I remember she flipped and she's like, you got to get the fuck out of here. Da, da, da. And Anthony and Ethan go in the room. And I think I was a little bit younger than that. Actually, I think I was like 12 or 11. Because my freshman year, I ended up moving to Florida to go try and be with my dad. But um, anyways, they I remember we were in the room. I came downstairs and I was like, because I, I used to collect a bunch of foreign money and I still have it in my safe. I don't really collect it anymore, but I still have it from when I was younger. A bunch of foreign bills and foreign coins and shit. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember he took like all my $2 bills. I think it was like 30 bucks or something, but and all my $1 coins and there was like 50 of them. I was like, stole my money. What the fuck? You know what I mean? And um, I'm young. I didn't say that. I'm probably like, dad, where's my shit? Where's my money? (laughs) My foreign money, my collectibles. You know what I mean? But he's just in the midst of screaming at my mom. And I remember he looked at me. And he was just like, he was like, and I don't even know if that's my kid. And fucking, oh. I remember that, that broke my, you know, I remember that broke my heart hard. And that like lived with me. And like, I still let it, I let it live with me until like two years ago. I like brought it up to him and talked to him about it. But like, you know, having all that baggage and there's a ton more that you know you try not to bring up because everyone's trying to be a better person than we were yesterday you know what i mean but that's the goal like yeah that's right and we but you bring it to school you know what i mean you don't know better and even after all that shit happening my dad left he lived with right and he ended up going to florida and i was like you know what i want to be with my dad screw your mom you know what i'm saying and i moved to florida he's like come live with me you could live with me you could take i'll take care of you you know i go to school down here i go there and he's like he's like i don't have too much time you gotta live with my aunt or my aunt jody who's his sister and i live with her and he's like yeah you can come over every weekend i saw him like once every three months you know what i'm saying that's kind of how the relationship was and I ended up coming back and I did really good in Florida. You know what I mean? Like they were really strict and I got mostly A's, a few B's and I was taking this graphic design class and I was doing the damn thing, but they were so strict. Like I remember that I wasn't allowed to go ride my skateboard to the McDonald's a quarter mile away until somebody got off work and could go with me. And I'm a freshman in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should and, be by that time. It, it shouldn't be a problem. A quarter mile, not a problem right you know what i mean and so i was like shit screw this i'm going back live with my mom you know what i mean i had friends you know what i'm saying back in you know i had friends i grew up with i'm going to reunite and i get back and a few years later i like catch seven felonies you know what i mean how'd that happen welcome to that part wait um so the first it was four at once it was um so uh shoot i don't know if i i should i don't know if people will mind me talking you know adding their name into stories oh but. you could you could skip people's names <laughs> i mean unless unless you know for sure they're okay with it I, i'd probably go with skipping the names just like no, person a or whatever or call them all right, Billy Bob. Sure. <laughs> yeah right so it was me and my homie in the room his name is you know, well what's it is jordan chuya and um or they call him smooth you know what i'm saying and right, me and him, he's cool with you, you you bringing him up right you might have to cut it out <laughs> but what's it called it was me him and four girls and we're partying it was like two weeks after my 17th birthday and um we're partying at the time i was selling weed and stuff when i was younger and then 
I started selling Xanax when I was like 16 and started messing with pills and selling those. And I was really into selling Xannies and I would take them though too. You know what I mean? And that's when everything started going to shit. That's when I started taking Xanax. And I remember we're in the hotel room or it's a motel at the time. And Yo, can I, can I throw out a guess? Yeah. Could it possibly have been Econo? No, it wasn't Econo. Okay. I just feel like that's the spot. No, yeah. I actually lived there for three months when I was 16, one summer, too. Jeez. And, uh, yeah, my mom kicked me out. So I was like, fuck you, bitch. I'm going to sell weed and live in the motel. This is the <laughs> life. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm and fucking... I remember one of the uh, – yeah, I remember one of my plugs. He lived in, like, the one next to Econo, which was still shitty but not as shitty. You know, it was probably like a – it was probably like $80 hotel. But it was a, like a quarter mile up Van Dyke. And you go in there. And he had, like, you know, pounds of weed and shit. And he's talking about having, like, a brick of ecstasy and this and that. Or MDMA. And he's showing me all this shit. When I'm, I was 16, I remember I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? This he's is like, You're right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, fuck you, mom. You know, because she's like, you can get the fuck out. I'm like, bitch, I'm living in a motel. But I'm going to be just you know, like fucking Jeremy. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm going to call him, Jeremy. You're right. That sounds like, that sounds like the right kind of name. But yeah, so what's it called? Um, what was I talking about? Uh, the seven felonies. You were partying with uh, your buddy who I'm not going to repeat yeah. his name just in case I have to cut it out. I don't want to have to cut it out twice. But you were no, partying, you. you and your boy and a bunch of girls were in the hotel room. And yeah, you have been selling and weed the, and selling zannies. And these four girls. And we were really just partying. And I think thinking back on it, I think I was just trying to get some pussy, really. And um, I remember we went to sleep. Two of the girls went for the walk in the middle of the night. One of them came back and she was like, I can't get in. They're not answering. We're all fucking zandied out like halfway dead sleeping. You know what I'm saying? And one of them took a garbage can and threw it at the window and cracked that bitch. And then fucking has the nerve to go downstairs and ask him for a room key. (laughs) (laughs) And of course he comes upstairs. I unlock the room. He's like, what the fuck? Cracked my window. And he calls the cops and um, it was four felonies. It was two counts of manufacturing, or it was two counts of distributing and manufacturing to minors. Because two of the girls said that I gave them Zannies, and or one of them said I sold it to them, and one of them said I gave it to them, and they were 16 at the time. So it was to minors, you know what I mean? Right, and then so that's one even, count, even bigger. Right. And it's one count of possession of analogs, and then it's one count of use because there's a crushed up Zanny on the table, and there's a dollar bill rolled up next to it. And I don't, snor- I didn't snort them. You know what I'm saying? I never did when I was younger. When I did them, and I, it was my buddy that I was with. So we're in jail. You know, just me and him. They all got out of it, and we're in jail. And what's it called? I'm like, I go and see the judge before him. I forgot really how exactly that went, but I remember seeing a judge and I, you know, I have four felonies. I'm not going to say, no, I'm not the one that snorted Zannies. So I was like, you know, I was, it was also me that crushed it down and had it on the counter and they let him home. They ended up dropping that charge. You know what I mean? Putting right, so it on you had mind. the four felonies and he, he just had, what, what was he charged with? No, I had the three and um, he was just in there being held. I had okay. the three, and he, so you ate the extra charge, knowing it wasn't you, but also like, 
I've already got right. three. You might as well take four. Right, exactly. Like, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Either way it goes, whether I have three and he has one, we're both going to get the same probation probably. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was like, no, this is all my idea. He had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Da, 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 da. Get the homie gone. But, you know, that happened. And then I remember I got out and um, it was about two weeks after. And I was dating this girl from Butcher. And I, uh, what's it called? And it was two weeks after I got out. Everyone's like, free A-ham, you know, when you're in high school. And you yeah, I think I was part of that Facebook group. <laughs> right. You made a Facebook page, you know what I'm saying? But um, what's it called? So two weeks after I get, I remember it was 80 Zanny bars fronted to me. After? Like after you had got out of jail? Yeah, it's like same day too. But I got them fronted to me. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I remember that the, my mom was dating a new guy who she eventually married. And she's like a completely different person and changer for the better every day too, you know. I have never been closer with my mom than I am now, but she got married to this guy. But when she was dating him, we lived at 13 and Hoover. And I remember I was like, I got to leave real quick. I had a few things set up to, you know, go and come back. And I remember I left and he was just like, no, stay here and eat tacos. I got a bad feeling. I remember they made tacos that day. And it was like with these shells that, you know, they're like puffy shells. So he's like, oh, stay here. The puffy tacos. shell boys. Like, you know you might as well cancel that shit. Right, we got the shelves. And so I'd leave, and my first stop was the gas station at 13 and Hoover, and I stopped there, did that, and that guy at the gas station called the cops on me. And said oh. there was just a, there was just a handoff, but I ended up stopping at three more places, and I ended up at Helmich Park. I did a handoff or whatever, and I'm on my way back, and it's kind of weird, you know, kind of weird thinking about it like this, but um. I was with this girl and I think her cousin and somebody else. And we, yeah, I'm not even going to say any names because people. Yeah, there would be a lot of editing. I'd have to do to cut out a bunch of names if you include them all. Straight up. Yeah, so um, what's it called? We get pulled over at 13 and, who, or 13 and Van Dyke, like probably 100 feet from that Motel 6 that's right there on this on 13 mile going east right I got and you. we get pulled over and I'm like you know if we get pulled over I'm leaving I just got out of jail I'm 17 I'm shit my pants because two weeks after my birthday I turned 17 so I'm a legal adult so these are all, all adult phones, oh yeah because you know in Michigan they're legally 17 isn't it yeah exactly so it's hit and um what's it called like you know we get pulled over I'm running so we get pulled over and I got the I got the fuck on. I ran, you know what I'm saying? I remember running east on thirteen mile and going like towards the buildings. There's like these businesses that are next to Motel Six, probably office buildings and shit. And yeah, there's these on a blank on what they are, but it, it's irrelevant. Probably see it next time you drive by. But there's two Jeeps that pulled up, regular ass Jeeps regular ass grown men that jumped out and they had police belts but i remember vividly one of them was wearing like a detroit tiger shirt so it was like the drug squad following us you know what i yeah, mean like, and it was, like detectives but, yeah you got, you like got caught by mike lowry right and i <laughs> you know and i remember looking at them like what the fuck and i ran left i ran across 13 mile road and they just chased me and then another jeep and a truck pulled up on the grass and they tried to block me and i was going to jump this little wall but they got me and I remember I sold everything. I had a pocket, I think it was like $600 or something stupid. And 
they took the money and they took my phone and <clears throat> I got arrested for resisting, obstructing, and then <clears throat> arrested for possession analogs again. And looking at, looking back, I had these pants that I was wearing and what they found, they found this Adderall that was like white in the bottom of my pocket because it's been through the wash two or three times. Mm. So I got a felony for this one pill, you know what I mean? And I got rid of everything. That's why I'm like, fuck this, I'm running. You know what I'm saying? So if they get me, I don't have anything. And I remember, you know, really searching. and But those two of them, and then it was about eight months after that I, I got arrested with one more. I was at a fair, and I remember I had, like, the pint of Captain Morgan in my pants. And I was always um, – <clears throat> I was with a group of people and we're walking and I think I flashed a pint of Captain Morgan and a cop saw it that was at the fair and what's it called? He grabbed me up and I remember he was gripping me up and I remember vividly he took one hand off of my hand so he could put the handcuffs on and I felt that and I like, you know, bumped him, booty bumped his ass and I started running <laughs> and I got away and they probably felt like movie stars, but like I ran past this car and the fucking door slams open and smashes me. Oh. And it was like, I ran past a cop that was sitting in his car and the he opened the cop door and hit me. And I remember he grabbed my arm when I was like drunk and young and I fucking had I pushed his hand under off of my arm. And I remember if I would have turned right and went through the suburbs, I probably would have got the fuck away. But I turned left and went back to the fair and there was a group of them. And I ran, and they all just surround me. And long story short, all of them get on me. They fucking are doing pepper spray in my eyes and, like, teaching me a lesson. You know what I'm saying? There's, like, four knees on my neck. <laughs> but, um, you know. Sounds I, like a bad time. I, yeah, it's horrible. And I, yeah, and what's it called? Nobody told me that when you get pepper sprayed and you take a shower, not to just get right in the shower, to lean your head in there first because the pepper spray goes down you. <laughs> and you feel it. You know what I mean? You feel it down there. Oh, I'll never forget that. But, um, yeah, so all that going on. I was, I was on probation for probably about five years. I got off when I was 22. I think I was about to be 23. And I caught, or what's it called? I remember it was like right before I was going to get off, I was arrested with, uh, OWI and I got off right and I got off and through this whole probation I like constantly failed drug tests and was constantly like you know I you know not really following it but I would always like counteract it I remember the first time I got all those felonies back to back um, before my court date I put myself in rehab and it was it was called Keros it was in Saginaw and I was there for like three or four weeks and, um, you know, I was more so like not, you know, I'm going to rehab to help myself, but I just want to look better when I go to court. And when I went to court with all those charges, I got a slap on the wrist. You know what I mean? Right, and I remember counting. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I get the height of probation, but it's pretty much another chance. You know what I'm saying? A little bit strict drug testing. But I was failing drug tests. I remember counting, and I went to pris I went to jail 16 or 17 times, whether it was just the holding cell or actually going to Macomb County and getting sentenced. Because I was on this drug testing program. If you failed once, you went to jail two days. Twice, you went to jail. 
uh, five days and then three times then you, they have to redo it or three times you go to jail uh, I think it was like a week or two and then you have to redo it and I remember it's an eight-month course and it was like the last few tests I failed the first course and I had to do it all again and I almost failed the second one but little you know constantly in and out of jail <clears throat> that's a, the real reason that I kind of left Cousineau in a way was dealing with all the probation and then I stopped going to school and I got kicked out and missing so much and it brought me to butcher you know what I mean yeah it's hard to keep up on your grades when you're busy being in jail you know he can't do homework <laughs> from the jail so right. I don't think or keeping don't up think on I... probation yeah you know the only time I was really in jail for a long period of time was that last time where I was like you know, I violated my last time and he's like, you're lucky I don't pull your hide and put all these felonies on your record. You know what I mean? And I was like, could I, but he gave me another chance that SIA boot camp, and it was a three month program. And I said, could I graduate high school before I, <clears throat> you know, go to do this. And he let me graduate. And that night that I walked the stage and did the speech, I had to go turn myself in. And that's what that whole speech was about. You know what I mean? Is that after I leave here, I'm going to turn myself in. Right. Like, you know, and, and yeah, is I went to, it was Macomb County for a month. And then I went to uh, that SAI boot camp for three months. And it's a boot camp that uh, prisoners, it's 90% prisoners and maybe 10% people from jail. It's if you look up the prisons in Michigan, it's on the list. It's it's what prisoners you use to transfer out. And I, I kind of saw some fucked up shit in there too. But um, I'd be happy to get to that too. And uh, at a certain point, um, I just had a a couple of questions. One yeah. is you you mentioned this is a total of seven felonies, and what you you said you got what you felt like was a slap on the wrist. You mean you got mostly probation, some short jail sentences. Um, just the climate that exists in America and race relations. Like, I was wondering yeah. if your skin was another color, do you think that you end up with that same sentencing? No, it would be a whole different story. And I'm sorry, and I'm going to constantly be all over the place. And most of the time I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just constantly all over the place. And I'm thinking about a hundred things at once. You know what I mean? My job is ridiculous that I've been doing recently. And, but honestly, when I was in that boot camp, one of my, my bunkie that I got real close to it, real close with, and it, I ended up seeing him like a month after I left there, but I got real close with him. And I remember we were talking and bullshit. And then he was telling me his charges and I was telling him mine. And after I was done telling him mine, he, he, he said he was there for his first charge ever it was a first degree breaking and entering so he broke into somebody's house while they were there first charge right. you know no prior history and he was 25 years old and he's been in prison since he was 16 and he's finally transitioning out you know and it just made me so sick to my stomach you know what i mean and that's i feel like that's exactly what it is and needless because, to say that was a black guy right yeah so and was you're, you're sitting here telling him Frank about your Taylor. seven your seven count of your seven felonies that like four once, then you get out of jail and go right and get another couple. And then within a short period of time, you got another and then uh, the fail on the drug, like all this stuff adding up. And he's like, yeah, I did a, I did one thing this one time and I've been here for what's that? Nine years, 16 to 25. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And that really fucked me up, you know what I mean? Because it it's just, it puts it really in perspective that I've been just, like, trying my luck. I've been weaseling my way out of, you know, what could be, you know, a, it was, I think it was, like, 25 years it added up to and all my you, charges, what the maximum sentence would be. I mean, obviously, that that shows you just a disparity in what happens between different races in America about he gets one one charge and gets nine years plus I don't even know what he did after you met him like I don't know if he was getting out right like soon after or he was actually he was actually from Warren and I I ended up moving in with Archie and we lived at this house at nine in Van Dyke on I remember it's fourth street and I went across the street to the shopper's market and I fucking saw him my bunkie <laughs> nice I forgot his first name, but I remember his last name because they called us Trainee and then our last name, and he was Trainee Taylor. But, so obviously you see the disparity in that, but also Mm -hmm. just, like, outside of the fact that you're a nice little, nice young white kid, outside of that, like, what, do you think you just had nice judges, or how, or is it just by the grace of God that you avoided doing major time? It was um just, you know, going up there and smiling and acting like a nice little white boy, you know what I'm saying? When I knew what the hell I, was, I wasn't at the time, you know what I'm saying? I was a piece of shit most of the time. And um, <clears throat> it was like, just like I would turn myself into rehab and I would go in there and I would write down these things from these classes and I would prepare for it because I would know how much trouble I was facing and I would prepare for it. Like I really, really gave a shit and then I, you know... I get out of the trouble and get in trouble again. Yeah, and when you you're preparing, do you are do you have in the back of your head like as soon as I get out of here, I'm going right back to it? Like, are you thinking about that, or does it just kind of happen? Um, I'm pretty. I think it just kind of happens. Honestly, it's kind of like being a product of your environment half the time, and just being weak-minded and letting your environment, you know, control what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. But. And but the cool part about the story is that you're from all accounts that I've been able to see you're you're clean and you're not in any trouble and you're fairly successful right now in your life. What what do you think was the major turning point that turned you basically from one person into another? What what do you think it was it gradual or was there one thing that was like all right, I'm changing? I feel like it was just a um a huge mixture of everything you know what i'm saying and fighting that fight and you know finally wanting it you know i went to rehab three times and i feel like the last time was the only time i was extremely serious about it and i ended up leaving the rehab early because the practices that they were doing there like weren't really helping you know what i'm saying but i just made a decision it was it was gradually a bunch of stuff though you know what i mean and I I wouldn't say I'm still getting there, you know what I mean, when it comes to saying that I'm fairly successful and stuff. I'm still getting there, you know what I mean? But I try every day to, you know, be better and do better. But the la- last time was probably really the turning point, I would say. Um, So the la- I was with this girl for probably like almost two or three years or something crazy. And I lived with her and her parents. I lived with her. Me and her had a place. So I'm like 18 and a half and mound. And what's it called? 
she was cheating on me and I was doing drugs and I was going to work, you know, doing the damn thing and over time roofing because I ended up getting into roofing hardcore, you know, figuring like I'm going to try and build a life now. You know what I mean? Right. I, I kind of felt like that my ex was probably like the turning point of wanting better and to try and build a life. But at the same time, it kind of, I kind of self-destructed, you know what I'm saying, towards the end of it. But it was like I was roofing, and I remember um, I've been roofing since I was 15, more on than off. And I took on it full time after high school and got really into it. I got pretty fucking good to where I was roofing for myself for about four or five months. And, and then winter came, and it was hard to keep work going when you're fucking 21 with one employee. And my one employee was my ex-girlfriend. She was like, she was a dental assistant. And she was coming home like crying twice a week from work. And I was like, fuck that. Come work with me. You know, I'll give you $4 raise, give you some time to think about what we're going to do next. And I got, I got blessed by somebody used to work with. He subcontracted me. It was like 1,100 square. So it was um, 110,000 square feet of recover. So it was a walkable roof like your brother's house. And it was a recover, so it was shingles over old shingles. So it was like, you just passed me shingles, you know what I'm saying? Fuck that. And But the thing was, me roofing full-time, I started, like, there's no way around me, like, like, this just, a lot, most of the time, roofers have a bad rep is because a lot of it's true, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. a, a lot of roofers are shitty people for the most part, drug addicts and drink alcohol. I was on one sober roofing crew, and you know he was in business for more than two years but those you know i hear they're sober roofing crews but a lot of times they're not and i started taking adderall in the morning to get going you know for work i would take a little bit of adderall here and there and i remember i used to feel strung out so i tried this stuff from wild bills the kratom oh okay you ever heard of that and yeah that's i know honestly what's i know some people yeah, that's the sole reason, I swear to God, I don't give a fuck what nobody says. That is the sole reason why I feel like I relapsed hard and went to back to rehab. And, like, I started doing that at lunch. I felt like it evened me out, you know what I'm saying? And You know, it yeah. didn't help that. The In my opinion, that Kratom, from my experience of people who I've seen it do it, it's just, like, from the people that I've seen it do it are people who have been addicted to Vicodin. And yeah. It just feels like legal Vicodin. That's exactly what it is, too. You know what I mean? It just it's feels like the... uh, I don't want to get in trouble for the thing that I'm, I'm doing all the time anyway, so I'm just going to do this little version of it and pretend. Like, the person I know had, like, Kratom wristbands and was, like, not selling, <laughs> but, like, a billboard for the product. He was yeah, like, oh, funny. this is the best thing ever. It's, it's an energy supplement. I'm like, it's not an energy supplement. You're high right you know what i mean and that's exactly what it was too and there's withdrawals from it like a drug you know what i'm saying emotional withdrawals that ended up being like physical and shitty you get withdrawals from that shit and i was i was doing adderall in the morning i would do kratom at night and i wouldn't do drugs when i wasn't working i made it a thing like i'm not going to do it when i'm not working you know what i'm saying figuring there's ways around it and and that's what it is too is getting sober and I wouldn't say exactly like, you know, expecting to go back into it like that, but making a reservation in your head for the future. 
you know what I'm saying? Making that reservation, like maybe one time in the future, I'll be able to do mushrooms. You know what I'm saying? Because that wasn't really like anything else. And that's the battle that I face sometimes. I'll, I'll, you know, that'll pop in my head and it's like, no, you know, there ain't no way. It's leaving that, you know, closing that reservation. But, um, you know, I'm not going to do it on the weekend. You know what I mean? And eventually when I felt like I started to get cheat on you know you've been in love before you know oh, what i mean yeah, and i've been you're cheated in... on plenty of times it's it's it can be a dangerous thing right and you know when you know you know what i'm saying you just know something's off you know what i'm saying yeah when you you're in love feeling. and then some you can feel it you know what i mean and i remember i i, I kind of felt it but instead of being a man and stepping up and saying something about it i would just self-medicate so my shit ended up being in the I started doing drugs on the weekends and shit, started feeling sorry for myself, you know what I mean? And blaming work, like, you know, I got to keep working and I'm roofing. That's like the, you know, you know, not everybody can roof. Roofing is, you got to be a certain breed of person to be a full-time roofer, you know what I'm saying? For an amount of time. And like, I just kept pushing and pushing myself and I, what's it yeah. called? And then I think, yeah, I figured it out for true, you know, it, all, all my feelings were true and I just self-destructed you know what I'm saying and I just went down the deep end and long story short over the time of that I ended up stopping doing kratom and I started doing subutex I remember one day that they banned kratom for a minute and my co-worker that I was um I was actually in a, a little rock band with him one of my co-workers and I was the lead singer it was just me and him it's kind of whack but I feel like if I try to stay in the art because I'm an artist you know when I what's it called I could draw and paint like a motherfucker but I feel like if you don't use it you lose it so I try and stay into little artistic things to keep it alive you know what I mean and I joined a band and I was the lead singer and um we never played a show or anything but we practiced and this guy he was um prescribed subutex what is which is like which is like it's like suboxone without the yeah, without the opiate blocker. So if you take a Suboxone and you, like, do a Vicodin or you do heroin, you would, like, instantly be sick for, you know, like, 12 hours or something crazy. And Subutex was that without the opiate blocker. And I remember he gave me – he would give me that, and I would snort it. And I would just snort a tiniest bit of this pill that I could have swore to God that it was, like – it was, like, a prescription of probably, like – illegal heroin honestly you know what i mean and it was disgusting how strong it was but i would just take a little bit and crush it and i would snort it and that used to be my prescribe that for people who are getting off of heroin okay so it's 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 like a uh it's like a suboxone or it's like a methadone it's 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 a come down thing exactly exactly just a yep without a just like a methadone but pretty much a super Vicodin in a way, you know what I mean? And um, so I was doing a little bit of that at lunch. I ended up, you know, it takes, it took full control over me, you know what I mean? And I ended up self-destructing and taking most of my time and just doing drugs like that subutex and shit. And I remember that I was fucking, it made, it was kind of disgusting, but it's kind of weird if you think about it. Cause I remember I saw this, I was smoking Oxycontin too. I did that I for like three weeks. That. Then you know how I found out you could do that from the video that I saw in the first rehab I went to when I was 17. <laughs> They're like, don't do this. And you're like, I'll write that down. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? 
but yeah, I was fucking doing that. And, you know, I remember I was on the roof and it was, uh, it was snowing or not snowing, but it was like, there's snow on the ground and there's probably flurries here and there, but it was a three layer cedar shake. So it's three layers of roof with wood shingles at the bottom that's steep as hell. So you gotta like prick and poke and a job that takes a day normally would take four days because it's that type of roof. And I remember I was in the middle of the job and I called my mom and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? But I ended up breaking up with her because I was like, you're cheating on me. And I self-destructed, which is like, you know, I was all fucked up on drugs. So I probably would have, you know, you know, I, I mean, cheating's never the answer, but I understand, you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. I self-destructed. I mean, you can't give anybody a pass for something like that, but you also can't be like, you can't assume that you were innocent in the whole thing. Cause it's not like, right. it's not like she was unaware. No, exactly. And I can never man up and, you know, you know, do the damn thing. But it was like, what's it called? You know, that was, don't get me wrong. That it was unhealthy and I would never start another relationship with that person. But there was a big part of my life and I was like, fuck it. I'm on to the next chapter now. And I was like, mom, can you please come pick me up? You know what I'm saying? I can't live like this before anymore. And I just made a decision. I feel like it was right there on that roof that like, that was it, you know? And I went to the rehab and it was, that place was hard. It was like probably the cheapest rehab that I ever been to. And like, I remember I saw somebody in there that was like shooting up in the bathroom and shit and fucking, there was constantly people getting kicked out for fighting and sneaking drugs. And it was just not really healthy, a place yeah. to like get sober. I made it like two weeks out of three and I left and I called and I got out early and they're like, you won't get your completion papers. But I knew that I wasn't going to do drugs again. You know what I mean? So it really didn't matter to me at that point. And after that, um, you know, I will, I'm, I've been sober since, so December, I've been sober from drugs. I still smoke weed and I'll drink on an occasion, but I've been sober from the drugs that I feel like almost killed me. From um, hard. For, yeah, for for two years, uh, December 15th next month is my two year. Well, congratulations, my guy. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Because, I mean, to me, uh, I feel like alcohol is the is the devil in my opinion i just fucking hate alcohol but that's because i grew up around all alcoholics mm -hmm. um marijuana it technically is a drug but like it's it i don't see a problem with marijuana at all so you're yeah. as sober as any normal person would ever need to be and just knowing it's what like works for me you know knowing like you were saying earlier like I want to try, like you said, you wanted to do mushrooms because that wasn't a thing, but you know that doing any one little thing could be a slippery slope to falling into a full-blown back into everything. Yeah, so. and that's, I truly believe that, you know what I'm saying? It's just that one thing, just making that one decision, and I feel like that would be under the list of decisions like that, that opens that door that for some reason I don't, I can't close, I've never been able to close right away in the past, and I'm not trying to fight right now <laughs> i got other right. things to think about and a lot of people like to say like oh i've grown so much i'm stronger than this than this thing is now if if i were to do it i could do it just once i'm i'm strong enough now i understand now i could do it just once and get back out but literally it never works out that way for anybody who's in these positions you just do it once and then you're fine you do it once and exactly then, and then you fall into a deep hole where you're doing it a lot and then you have to start over from ground zero. 
Yeah, seriously. And I feel like that's exactly what it is, is taking like that wall that you've been building for years, like that big wall in between you and like your demons, you know what I mean? And just like knocking it the fuck down and like you have no protection and they'll just infest your brain and your life, you know what I mean? And you lose yeah. control. I feel like it is after that one decision that you lose control. And I, I've come to a conclusion that like, I don't want it if it's not real anymore. I just don't want it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to live a life like, like having drugs to have, you know, me convincing myself that it's okay in the future to do drugs. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's the drugs in my memory doing that. I feel like, you know, I got a weird way of thinking about it. I yeah, think it's about almost it like, a drug in yourself where you're giving your future self permission because it's almost like, you know, people on a diet are like, well, Thanksgiving is coming up. I can cheat then. And well, Christmas is right after that. And and, and they never started the diet. You know what I mean? Because they yeah. give them, they'll, they'll find excuses to give themselves permission and giving yourself permission once is an excuse to do it the next time. And you're always making a promise for future you to take care of something that current you is not willing to try. And to even, to even double down on your metaphor, the knocking down your wall and all those demons, it's, it's like saying, oh, I've, I've been hitting the gym. I've been taking fighting lessons. I can take those demons on myself now. Fuck this wall. And then you take mushrooms one time or you take one pill and you're like, all right, push down the wall. And you think that you could fight those demons, but there's too fucking many of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, straight up. It's like, yeah, you might have got you might have got buff and learned some learned some technique, but when it's one on fifty, you're still not making it out. Yeah, and it'll take control of your decision making, your everything. You know what I'm saying? The way that what's important to you, the people that are important to you, and relationships and stuff like that, and it takes it and you know, kind of like shifts it all. So it's not real to me, you know what I mean, anymore. And I feel like I just don't want it if it's not real. And all of the time spent, it's not wasted. But I feel like I'm not sure what was genuine and what wasn't because I was fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, but it's never it's never time wasted because any time that you consider wasted is time that you were busy making mistakes. But those mistakes... And those negative things that happen in your life are what taught you the lessons to help you become the person that you are. And, mm -hmm. and like, we're, we're definitely, it's a huge part of this podcast to talk about spirituality and religion. So we're definitely going to try to get into it some. Um, mm -hmm. But just speaking for myself, when I pray, I, I, when I'm saying thank you, I'm thanking them for the good things. But also, I, I make sure to say thank you for all the negative things that have happened in my life that have taught me lessons that I needed to know. Yeah, because you're not happy to to go through all the negative things in your life. But when it comes right down to it later in life, when you need to have um, this lesson taught to you, it's that that you're looking back on. It's not the happy days. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, man, because the negative things that happen in your life are such motivation and such teaching moments that some of the worst things that happen to you are some of the best things that happen to future you when it comes to learning lessons and becoming a better human being. Like 
like, would you, would you be as kind and generous and gentle and nice of a person if it wasn't for seeing how your mother and father interacted with each other, specifically your dad with your mom? Like, I always believe that everybody is a product of their environment. And that doesn't mean that you're going to repeat it. Sometimes product of your environment means my environment was this, so I'll be the opposite. Mm-hmm. And from what I know of you, you're generally, like, genuinely, not generally, um, one of the nicer guys, one of the more sincere guys. Like, when I post my podcast, you're one of the first people that's always sharing it, that's always like, hey, go give this a listen. You're, when when I post the the Facebook page for it, you're one of the very first people to like it. You're one of the uh, first people to, like, share it with people to tell people about it. And that's just like my limited interactions with you. But I always see you when I see you on there, it's usually you saying something positive to somebody, giving somebody some support, offering support to people, whoever may need it. Like you always seem to go out of your way to make sure that you're um, offering help and support and kindness. Do you think that any of that is, is coming from like wishing that somebody had done that for you before all that started? Yeah. You know, almost all of it in a way, you know what I'm saying? That's probably the foundation of it really. It's just all of the hardships I've been through and how easy it really is to help. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's, and that's kind of how I grew up is like, these are people that I do not want to be like. You know what I'm saying? Like, I leave these interactions and I have this horrible feeling and I feel like this isn't me. You know what I'm saying? And, like, my family are, is a little bit toxic here and there, and they've always had a little toxic tendencies. And, you know, I've had toxic tendencies too, but, like, <clears throat> it was just, like, I guess just be the change you want to see in the world type deal. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have so much fucking love in me and I just want to help you know what I mean and I've, Facebook is an outlet that I can in a way right because you're right dude people are alone you know what I'm saying and especially this year it's been like hard on everybody and I know that <clears throat> like if I wasn't sober right now I'd be probably having the worst like mental issues you know what I'm saying like depression and I would probably be losing it. You know what I mean? I probably wouldn't be alive, to be honest with you. I feel like the next time I decide to go out and get all fucked up and go on that path again, I don't feel like, I feel like it would be my last. You know what I mean? And I feel like so many people are out there, you know, dealing with that right now. And I feel like I could feel it. So you never know how somebody's day's going. You know what I mean? And, and especially being somebody who's gone through it, you're a perfect person to help somebody that might be going through something similar. Yeah. It's to know that, hey, I've been through it too, if not a little bit, not as much, or I've been through a little bit worse, to always be that helping hand. I guess, um, you know. I, I mean, that's what a sponsor is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, you know. Speaking of. I feel uh, like there's, do you, there's so do you much. Like, do meetings? Are you, like, part of a program? Do you get, like, a chip for your anniversary? Or are you just, like, solo on your own so uh, sober? Um, I was thinking about it. I got my, I got my six months and I have been, I've been to a meeting since then one time when I felt like I was really on edge, you know what I mean? But I try to not go to meetings, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't try to not go to meetings, but 
I haven't been to one in a while. I don't take it too seriously with the NA and AA program. If I do go, though, I go to AA because it seems like it's always people that are more serious. For anybody, you know, that's listening, that if they're getting real serious about it, NA most of the time is a bunch of younger people. And AA, you're going to find your people that have like 30 plus years of sobriety. You know what I mean? That have been doing it for years and getting a piece of their mind, I feel like is a lot more valuable. The the older people in AA? Yeah. See, yeah, because I listened to this podcast called uh, Armchair Expert. It's Dak Shepard's mm-hmm. podcast. And he sort of has a similar story about, I mean, not a similar story, but just like a story about being addicted to drugs and overcoming it and becoming sober. And he his thing was, uh, was alcohol and coke was his vices. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the way that he talks about AA and what it's done for him, it's like, I've never had a drug problem. Like I've, I've got a lot of problems, but drugs was never my thing to be a problem for me. Mm -hmm. But just the way that he explains how AA works, I'm like, I want AA in my life. I've never done, I've never, I don't, I haven't had a sip of alcohol since like 2016, but I want AA in my life. The, no, I hear you, and that'll do that to you too. It's really more so like when I did go, I remember telling myself that like I'm more of going to this place so I could it helps me nav- navigate through my life more than like to stay sober. You know what I'm saying? Because it really does help just navigate you through life. And if you really read to the twelve steps, it kind of tangles around into you know Have you some been of the through, lessons that come uh, the from the Bible. Steps? Did you do that version of it? No, I did not. Okay. I was going to say, because I'm really curious to talk to somebody who's been through the 12 steps and see what it's like, because like, I believe it's step four that Dax is talking about in one of his podcasts, where like you write down anybody that you hold a resentment to. Yeah. And uh, then like in another column, you write down why you resent them. Then like, what role do you play in it? And the last one is what fear is being triggered there. And it turns mm-hmm. out that like, for everybody that ever does it it's like three basic fears that is always being triggered when it's somebody that you resent yeah a fear of financial instability a fear of being dumb a fear like and as soon Mm -hmm. as you can do that which i even though i know about it i haven't done it but i i want to do it so bad i just i feel like I don't know, would it be silly for me to adopt steps from a program that people are using to change their life when I don't have the problem they have? Not at all. If you feel like it would help you, you know what I mean? To be honest with you, I would do it with you. You know, I would do the same thing and we could both do it. I'm down with that. I'm if, interested. That's how you're feeling. Like, when this is over, like we, we should probably get into step four on ourselves. Like, not that I'm Run going it. through anything crazy right now, but just like, I feel like you can never stop improving as a human being. Exactly. Um, so I told you we'd get into spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you sit? Like how has, because I feel like the story that you have, it can go in so many directions spiritually when, when it comes to religion or when it comes to just your outlook on the universe. Um, mm-hmm. What is it that you believe is going on in the world? Like, is it, is it like tied into a major religion like Christianity, Islam or whatever? Um, or just like what, what's going on in the world? What gov- what's governing us? Why are we here? Answer that universe's questions for me, man. 
shoot it's hard to tell you know what i mean there's <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let me let me make it here? a little simpler. I feel like I gave you all of the world questions. Um, do <laughs> do you universe. belong to like a specific religion? Uh, Christianity. So, so you believe in God in the in the in the Christian way of it? Do you do you believe right. like by the book, or do you have like your own sort of custom settings on? Um, kind of by the book. Uh, you know, not by. I feel like. It, really by the book i feel like is more catholic yeah i worry you know about I, mean? I worry about by the book too strongly because yeah. then you get people like westboro baptist church and you get like the um the people who take every word in there literally and it's like well we got to burn witches that's what we got to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah i think about it like you know jesus died for our sins so we're forgiven, you know what I mean, and it all has been forgiven. But I believe in God. There's, it's, it's kind of weird to think. I feel like, I feel like it's something that is so beyond us that the Bible is just like God trying to put in human words to kind of make us understand what it's like he a, is. A rough translation, maybe a trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah, a exactly. Clue for blue to pick up. Right, and if you if you've looked in the if you ever looked in the DMT. Um, that drug that's in your brain that comes out when you're born and when you die and when you like really lucid dream and yeah, like the people who yeah the people who deal the people who <laughs> go through with that and um if you look it up they all go to the same place and they'll smoke it and they'll blast off and they'll go to this place and there's um thousands of miles of just blocks and bricks or not blocks and bricks but i've I've done it one time and it freaked me out and I went home and I was like, I looked it up, you know what I'm saying? And everybody goes to the same place and you blast off and there's miles and miles of these shapes and colors that are going, you know, kind of intertwining with each other that aren't real like squares or circles, but you just know that they're just shapes and colors. You can't remember if they're like purple or green, but it's like something out of this world and you go there, it feels like a half hour and then you shoot off to this other place and it's, these beings that are just in the distance and they all run up to you and there are all these beings that are made out of the same shapes and colors that but they all kind of seem like they're mechanical but these beings are giving you gestures and you know what they're trying to say and it's all shit along the line of like it's so good to see you how have you been i can't wait to see you again and then you're back you know you're back and the only difference that people see that i've looked up is some people will see like a goddess that is flying through the sky you know what i mean and it's like is that god you know what i'm saying is that the place you don't know it's like i don't know if you've been following mine and ethan or ethan's little music videos that i've been helping out with i've seen i think i've seen one or two of them yeah so this last one i wanted to kind of like try and re recreate a dmt trip and there's um he opens this box and there's this toad in it and i wrote on the top of it a colorado river toad because a colorado river toad if you its defense mechanism is it shoots this orange pus out of its back which is 5-MeO DMT and um that could be you know you put on a Pyrex pan and evaporate it and people smoke that stuff but it's not the same thing as like the ayahuasca it's just a form of it so that that toad like blows up in mind in my little brother's face and we go to this place and this girl's like dancing on a ring or flinging around that was supposed to be like the goddess you know what I mean but right. <laughs> 
but yeah so and sometimes i think about it like that you know what i mean like is that the place and is that like what this means but i got really into i got really religious or not really religious but i got more religious you know over the time of getting sober i caught myself going to church for like six months at a time by myself every weekend you know what i mean about two or three years ago and i'd still go on and off here and there but it's it's hard i feel like it's hard to really say you know what i mean exactly what i think it is because i feel like it's a whole bunch of things i kind of feel like we're all one at the same time you know what i mean oh, i feel like def- i definitely subscribe to that feeling that you are me and i am you and we are all this tr- that tree outside my door yeah like i could sit here and look at you for a second and feel like i'm in that room you know what i mean and, and you are I feel like i'm you know what i'm saying so it's like is that god everything living you know what i mean it's hard, but I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> there's there's um, two, I'm really drawing a blank on the details here, but something was triggered in me to try to remember exactly what it was, but it was like two schools of thinking. One is that um, God is us, and the other is that God is within us. Mm-hmm. And I like to subscribe to the idea that God lives within all of us, and not just within all of us, but within every living creature, within every, I mean, and by living creature, I don't just mean like your dog. I mean like the the tree, the grass, the, the mm-hmm. soil, the air. God lives within all of that. And mm-hmm. we're all interconnected. We're hurting you is hurting me somewhere down the line. That's kind of what karma is. Yeah, I agree with that 110% too. Is if I hurt you, eventually I'm going to get hurt. And you can call it karma, like what goes around comes around, you get what you deserve. Or you can think, he is me. It just took a while to, for me to feel it. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a way to look at it. Is that making any sense? <laughs> no, it makes sense. I hear you. I, I, I didn't you. know if your tone was like, oh, this motherfucker's crazy. Or if no. it was like, <laughs> something's clicking. No, I hear, no, yeah, that's what it, no, it's like something's clicking. That's exactly what it is, you know, because that's, that is crazy. Because that's not how I feel about it, you know, if I, if I feel like I'm getting over on somebody, you know what I'm saying, just for the fact of fucking getting over on them to benefit me, to say fuck them or doing somebody dirty like that in any way, shape or form, I feel like it comes back to me like tenfold. And when something bad happens, I know I could always think about whenever something bad happens to me, I always laugh about it because I know there's something I fucking did. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, it's a part of it. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, there's movies where something bad happens and it's like a kid's movie and like he did something bad. And then five seconds later he gets like hit on the head with a giant wooden mallet or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like, I deserve that. But like mm-hmm. in reality, it's not just always that plainly obvious you but you really probably deserve all the good and bad things that come to you based on what you have done in some sort of way um mm-hmm. and even if you don't quote unquote deserve it in the sense of like i've never done something bad enough for me to go through what like and i doubt you've ever especially at like 8 years old gone through any done anything bad enough for you to d- deserve the type of like equally bad thing uh, which was like the things that you're talking about in your upbringing. But mm-hmm. it isn't that you always that you deserve it. Sometimes it's that you need it to help shape you, to help yeah. show you like 
Like at the very least, if it doesn't show you anything else, it shows you like, look how bad this was, and I'm still here. Yeah. Exactly. So like, look at. Yeah. So whatever yeah. comes next, hey shit, look what I've been through already. Exactly. You know, it's and that's what it does. You know, I hate to say it in this way because, but it almost makes you numb all of the shit. You know what I mean? But you remember that feeling. I feel like you don't remember like places or people or like me looking at the screen right now, seeing your face and you know your hair and shit. But you remember the feeling incorporated with it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I feel it. I feel it. (laughs) Um, but um, I I try to get into like your upbringing and your family, and I feel like we've got into most of that. That was your backstory for the for the original story that we were getting into. So I just kind of want to pick little details out of it. Um, Please do. Cause I'll be all over the place. The, the details that I, I, that I'm really looking at is like, how do you think that your upbringing being as um, toxic as you describe it as being, how do you think it affected your relationship with your, with your brother? Because I see that you're like involved in his music in in some ways like you're I, the director of the videos i think you're, you're saying um, uh well what's it called a kind of a co-producer okay. i come out with a lot of the ideas for what's going to happen in the videos and i coordinate the days when they That's happen right. most of the time he's he's had a few or he ha- he's had two of them that he's like i want to do this but i want this one to be all me but um, gotcha. and you've got this tattoo on your arm my brother's keeper Mm-hmm. So I can tell for sure that you guys are close. Do you how do you think that um it had to do with your upbringing that made you guys feel like you needed to get that that close to each other, or something else happened, or um like were you guys your your each other's safe space growing up from that tumultuous upbringing? Yeah, we we pro- we were really each other's safe space when we were younger. Uh, when we got older, we grew apart. Like, even when I got this tattoo, I don't think that me and Ethan were really close. I think I was, like, just running into his room, like, please hide my scale in this half ounce and these pills under your bed. Mom's been searching my shit or, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of around that time where I was more of, like, he pr- probably blew his mind. And it was really shitty to be, you know, the role model and be doing some of the things that I did. So I feel like, you know, these music videos and everything are or like kind of me just pushing him and taking my time and just pushing him to move forward is, you know, for me not being there towards the end when it was hard, you know what I'm saying? Cause I was tr- messed up in my own shit with my own little crowd that was following me. Cause I was the drug dealer that with, you know, I was getting in trouble and doing all this crazy shit. And <clears throat> he was kind of just like, you know, a victim of a lot of it, you know, and with just my mom being there and most of the time she's working at the bar and we'd have to like, you know, make dinner and, you know, we we're together most of the time or home alone a lot of the time. And <clears throat> a lot of, I feel like what I've been doing recently has been just trying to get him going because I've always had this like fire that's been burning inside of me. And I still have this like flick at my face every day of fear of being average. You know what I mean? I've always felt like, I could do so much more. I could get us out of this situation. I always felt like, like we were better than what we were going through. You know what I mean? And I felt like I could do something about it. I always did, but you know, I 
get steered in a few wrong directions. But him, he he's a little bit lazy. You know what I mean? Me and him aren't as close as I'd like to be. Me and him have gotten a lot closer since I've been sober probably than we have ever been. But sometimes I wish we were closer. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, me, the thing about me going in and investing 100% into his first music video, my goal with it was to to get him his brain going. Like, what do you want to do? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I went stone cold into roofing 100%. I fucking... You know, I've had all these ideas. I've tried to get him to come work with me and shit, and it was always hard. And he's been, what's it called? He's been at my grandma's, and I've always, I've been on my own since I was 17, whether, you know, it was here or living with a roommate. I've always, I've been on my own, and <clears throat> he's always been at my grandma's. So I felt like I just trying to give him a push to get going and get into something because him and my grandma's relationship isn't the greatest you know what I mean and my grandma isn't the greatest she isn't a very healthy person to be around all day like um and I know I just keep going on tangents but like I uh like when I got out of rehab this last time I had to live with my grandparents for uh, about a month and a half and I remember my grandpa would work still but my grandma she just if she sits there and she watches the news like eight hours a day like at oh. least eight ten hours a day and that it's just like healthy no and it's constant just like you could just always feel the tension in the air something's always wrong what is the negative about what you're doing what's the negative of the day let's just you know what i'm saying it's just constant negativity so the month and a half that i was there before i moved here and i i live in uh one of those lofts in detroit uh by myself i've been here for uh, about a year and a half and when I lived there I had to keep my headphones on like the whole time if I wasn't working and I literally sat on the couch with fucking headphones on and whenever she tried to talk to me I'd take them off and this was every single day because I felt like if I let this negativity into my brain that it would steer me down another direction and I wouldn't be able to stay sober and I was so just focused and like not doing drugs that like nothing else mattered you know what I mean right and, and, I remember, and energy is contagious I think and all that negative it's energy. Yeah. It's no bueno. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? And I, I remember before I went to rehab, I was in horrible shape. And I remember running downstairs. And, like, right before I went, I was, like, halfway crying. And I, was, I like, grabbed my little brother. And I think he was, like, halfway sleeping. And I was just, like, I'm going to be better. You know, I'm going to go be better. I'm leaving. I'm going to rehab, and I'm going to be better because – I feel like we could, if we really put our minds together and he really, you know, gets motivated about life, that we could do great shit together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we got it in us to do great shit together. And so um, me and him doing these music videos, I really think that like, usually like people that we went to high school with that still rap, you know what I'm saying? A lot of them aren't too great. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm usually the first person if somebody messages me about like, check out my song. I like I'm the first person to just tell them the truth like I don't care if it makes you mad like I really don't like this you're or like I love this shit you know what I'm saying and I like my little brother is the first person to send me if if someone's gonna send me a rap song and I'm gonna say something about it I'm waiting for my little brother to say hey I'm a rapper so I could be like what the fuck are you doing stop you know what I'm saying like right let's figure something else out. But he starts playing me some of his shit and I'm like, wow, this is fucking good. You know what I'm saying? I've always been passionate about his music since he started, but um, I've lately being sober and having 
coming up on a few opportunities, I had the chance to be able to do something about it. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know, over the time of doing it, I still feel like if he puts his 120% into him rapping, he could be a fucking rapper. You know what I'm saying? But he is leaning away from it a little bit. He kind of wants to be more on the video editing side. And I would love to rather do that anyways. You know what I'm saying? I'm just happy to be a part and to help him. Whatever helps you feel the passion is what you should be going into. I'm just a huge hip hop head. So I'm like, if you can be a rapper, be a rapper. Exactly. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm just so fucking, I'm doing right now. I'm doing this thing. I'm calling a hip hop homework. Yeah. I'm going through who I consider to be the greatest of all time. And I'm listening to their discography from their very first album to their very yeah. last album or their most recent album. Cause it might not be their last. Yeah. Um, and like so far I've gone through Jay-Z, Nas, Eminem, Outkast, Tupac, Biggie, uh, and I'm Kanye and I'm halfway through Snoop Dogg. So that's, seven full discographies yeah and let me tell you snoop dogs put out fucking 17 studio albums it's ridiculous yeah but but it, it's really fucking fun for me that, that's just the background i'm giving in the sense of like yo if you could be a rapper be a rapper because rapping is <laughs> is my shit straight up i've been seeing some of your breakdowns of all of it you know what i mean i've been seeing a few of those for sure yeah, yeah, I'm actually I, considering I, putting together um, a podcast with a couple of people um, where I do like an episode of this, but instead of the general like tell me about your life thing, it's just yeah. two or three, maybe four people talking about hip hop. So yeah, that'll be cool if I actually put it together. Yeah, that'd be cool as hell. Um, but uh, so you you said that you were skipping around a bit. So uh, hopefully it doesn't hurt the podcast if I skip around a little bit because I feel like no, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't finish the spirituality the way I wanted to. Uh, what happens when we die? Um, shoot. I, it's, I haven't really came to a conclusion on that yet, you know. There's or a what I really head. think. Under my head, there's a few things. Part of me feels like the baby that comes out crying is crying because he realizes that he just left his old life and now it's just another one. Also, it's a possible Sometimes, reincarnation. I feel like you go to heaven, but possible. But, I, you know, I feel like you go to heaven, but in a way, I feel like you build your own heaven throughout your life. All the most amazing things that ever happened to you in your life. It's it's just the best stuff. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, not like just the best stuff, but yeah, I guess I would say that. Just the best stuff of building, you know, an eternal life like that. And then uh, it's hard to, you know. The last little bit on the spirituality spectrum is uh, why are we here? What what is the purpose of of humans existing? Hmm. I feel like everybody's got a different answer for this, and there's no wrong answer. I just want to know what what goes through your head when you hear that question. Right. And part of me feels like, um, to get right whatever you got wrong in your last life. You know, part of me feels like there sometimes i feel like there is no fucking reason like we're all just here <laughs> it's you just, know what i'm saying but 
It's just God got bored and he was like, whatever, go do something. Yeah, kind of. Or like, you know how an atom, how it's shaped if you zoom in on it with a microscope. If you kind of think about that, that's kind of the same shape as the galaxy. So what if yeah. everything is nothing? Absolutely. <laughs> everything, you know what I mean? everything is in the bag. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel like I'm here. I feel like I have this drive in me just to, you know, live my life for other people. Like, what can I do, whether it's my success, to be able to help as many people as I can? You know what I'm saying? Whether they went through drug abuse or this or that. And there's a lot of people that don't give a fuck in their life. What if everything is nothing? So I'm about to go buy another kilo because fuck all these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? But. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel so like I feel like you gotta. I feel like I feel like we're I, you're warriors of your own world. You know, I feel like I'm a warrior of trying to be able to help the next person and have that. You know, have a ripple effect of them wanting to help people around them. I feel like enough of that will kind of change things because it is a nasty fucking world we live in, man. I feel like you inadvertently you know, stumbled on what is a beautiful answer, answer actually, because you're talking about do as much as I can to help as many people as I can. And like in that, what I'm hearing is our purpose here is kind of to learn compassion, i.e. grace. Yeah. By the grace of God, it all kind of ties in together and just learn mm-hmm. compassion, learn, learn how to be selfless and take care of other people and be, be a beacon of light and goodness i feel like yeah and i feel like the times where you are a beacon of light and you can probably attest to this or whenever i feel like i've really done something to really impact and help somebody at the moment like i feel like that's when i feel god like just flowing through me you know what yeah, I'm saying? what feels better than knowing that you help somebody else especially right like i feel like it feels even better to help somebody that doesn't deserve it just because it's grace for the sake of grace. Yes, and that's exactly why I answer my dad's phone calls. Because <laughs> <laughs> I find myself being no, human. I find myself really? being human, obviously. And um, when I'm being human, it's like, should I do this for so-and-so? He doesn't deserve it. Who gives a shit? It's not about them. Do good because you want to be good, not because they deserve it. Exactly. And I feel like that also comes back to you too. You know what I'm saying? Cause I got like old friends that have done me horribly wrong. And like, I try, you know, I still like talk, you know, still be po- a positive light in their life as much as I can be, you know what I'm saying? And let everything flush it all down the toilet, you know, or like me answering my dad's phone calls. Most of the time I'm answering my dad's phone calls for me. Like I know that he doesn't deserve it, but the fact that I could help somebody like, realize that they're not alone i don't know if you know his story before you but like for somebody to act that way they must have had a really fucked up past their self yeah he i mean yeah i've heard most i've heard a lot of his story i don't know a lot of it you know what i'm saying and he has a lot of reasons for the things that he he's done and my dad will sit here and you know he has tons of reasons for yeah not to justify them at all but, right, you know what I mean. But uh, like for like a bully doesn't become a bully because he had a great life at home. Right. Sometimes yeah. though. Yeah. You th- you I, know? I don't know. I've never really heard of the story of like the kid with a great life with loving parents that take care of him and 
that never wanted or needed for anything going to school and taking people's lunch money. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I, hear, I just yeah. haven't heard that story. It, it's usually like, oh, something's going on with that kid. Yeah. Um, so now I feel like we're, we're at, I, I worry all the time. Whenever I start these podcasts, I worry. I'm like, oh, we're not going to get to this certain time. Everything's going to be over in 20 minutes. It's going to suck because I'm self-conscious and I hate myself. Um, no, but, I hear you. you. You heard me right when I started this thing. I'm like, oh. You know, <laughs> I'm like, wait, hold on. What the fuck are we doing right now? This is a podcast. You know what oh, I'm saying? We just, we just passed uh, 90, about 93 minutes now. So wow. I feel like I, uh, I feel like it's time to start going into um, what we call sort of a speed round of sorts, where I just ask all the questions that I ask everybody mm-hmm. and answer them as long or as short as you need to. I mean, if the answer is just, I don't know, or I've never had anything like that, then whatever, we've got more. But mm-hmm. let's just try to go through them. Um, the first one is, and it's kind of connected to the spirituality part. Have you ever had mm-hmm. any experiences with, um, I say with ghosts, but it doesn't have to necessarily be with ghosts, um, with anything supernatural or anything that you just, you can't explain logically. Yes, that's weird. I was actually talking to somebody about this today. Um, uh, what's it called? So one time it was in between or I was living with my, I was, I think I was 19 or 20 years old and I was living or no, I was 20 or 21 years old. I was living with my little brother's friend's dad and my little brother lived there too at the time. And I remember I was taking these sleeping pills. They're called Unisom. They seem to be the only sleeping pills that have ever worked for me. Unisom sleep tabs. I remember I'm in. I remember I would take them and it's happened a few times where like right when I'm about to go to sleep, it was only this, it only happened like in the span of like one or two months. It happened like three or four times. And this last time it was like, what the fuck? But I would feel like I was about to like transition from being awake to, to going to sleep. Like, I feel like the transition was happening and my body would just start vibrating oh. like this weird vibration. And like, I would always snap myself out of it. You know what I mean? Because it would kind of start to freak me out. But one time, the last time it happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let this shit go. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to see what happens. Let it go. And I remember I was at there, I was at that house and I, remember I was laying down and my body started vibrating. I'm about to go to sleep. I'm like, it's happening again. I'm just letting it go. And I swear to God, I just start floating like I astral projected just like down the room. And I remember I was just floating down the room and I could see everything that was there, like the clothes on the dryer and then the dryer and the washer. And like once I got to the almost end of the room and towards the back I was it all had like this blue and gray like dark hue to it I like got scared and I just popped like back into my body yeah. like I astro projected and then I obsessed about it for like two months so I kept looking it up and I guess people can do that on command you know what I mean yeah people like try to meditate themselves into being able to do that um do yeah. you think that that's actually what happened or do you think it's like a hallucinogenic side effect of the sleeping pill um, I like to believe that it's actually what happened because the research I did made it seem like there's only a 0.5% of people that can do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, So you just <laughs> want to believe it to make sure that you're special. Right. It was probably a side effect of the sleeping pill, but honestly, I still take those sleeping pills. You know what I'm saying? And it's never Most happened time, again? It's never happened again after that. Not even oh. close. 
Yeah, that I, is weird. You know, maybe I, maybe it was unrelated, or maybe it was just something that was meant to happen for you, that was triggered by it. Yeah, I don't know, because it was honestly a huge turning point in my life. Because I remember that girl that I was with for three years, we broke up for like a few months, and that was when I lived there. And you know, part of me wants to think that like something was telling me like not to get back together. But then I feel like everything happens for a reason, you know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't know what I know now and be as strong if I didn't go through what I went through in the past few years, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Sharp turn, though, aliens, they out there? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they're out there, and I feel like they're in us. In us? Yeah. Because there is a theory. No, probably not. You know, probably not, but I've been watching this one show lately, and it's probably get, which probably got me to say that. There is a theory out there, though, that because like humans went from I I don't remember the exact one because there's been a bunch of different versions of human, but they went from like Homo erectus to Homo sapien, like yeah. stupid quick. And some people are like, well, the only explanation is that somebody from another planet came down there and fucked with our oh, genetics. The monkey. What's that? <laughs> fuck the monkey. Yeah, fuck the monkey. An alien <laughs> fucked the monkey and people were born. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that that's actually part of the theory that I was, I've been hearing, but sure, why not? I mean, we're they're, they're our closest uh, mater- relatives outside of, I think, bananas. I think fucking humans share like 98.9% of their genetic data with bananas. That's weird. <laughs> You're basically a banana. Pretty much. That's what I feel like half the time. (laughs) If I'm wrong, then this is just kind of funny. But, like, I'd like to imagine that I'm not wrong (laughs) and we're bananas. No, I agree, you know. (laughs) Because, honestly, honestly, it's bananas. (laughs) B-A-N-A-N-A-S. You know know I learned to spell that from that song? (laughs) That's all I could think of, though, when you brought that up, is a picture that I saw of a, it's like a family portrait with an alien and a human and a human baby. Or an uh, alien and a monkey with a human baby. I just looked it up, and I'm, like, way off. What? Uh, bananas <laughs> share about 60% of the same DNA as humans. I said, like, 98. <laughs> I know. That's like monkeys. Whatever. <laughs> monkeys are 96 chimpanzees yeah. specifically but because okay. that's what was connected <laughs> to the question but like we were 60 percent banana yeah honestly i'll tell On you my bad days i feel like a 99 percent banana <laughs> <laughs> that should be your excuse next time that you fuck some up like man look i'm just a <laughs> banana out here trying to make my way oh <laughs> um, all right what do you mean i'm half banana more than that yeah um all right 14 year old you if you were walking down the street and you ran into him and you knew for sure that that's 14 year old anthony what would you say to him and what do you think he would think about you like do you think he would be proud of you do you think he would think you're cool do you think he would be like fuck this guy um How would you and 14-year-old you get along? Shit. I think that he would be very proud 
You know what I'm saying? I feel like even when I was 14, I always had the right intention, but I used the wrong means of trying to get to my right intention. And by that time, it was wrong. You know what I mean? I feel like I've always had good intentions deep down. And, but like, so like, I, I know it would be like, I would probably listen, you know, right then and there. And I would appreciate whatever future me was saying. And like, I would take it super seriously. Like, this is how I'm going to live my life. You know what I'm saying? To be even better than that. But then I know that 14 year old me would probably go to a party over the weekend and forget about it. Like it wasn't even that big of a deal. Like somebody didn't just time travel. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, excuse me. You can't ignore this shit. I just went through space and time. So take my advice, please. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't like, know. I would just. He'd be at the party getting fucked up, like, yeah, and then this fucking me space travel space time traveled, whatever. <laughs> Past the shit. <laughs> <laughs> no biggie. You know, it's hard. I wanna say like, you know, don't do drugs or don't do this, but I feel like, you know, or even if I would have stayed in Florida my freshman year, I would probably still have all A's and probably be at college. But I would probably be scared shitless if anything real happened to me. You know what I'm saying? I probably would have fold. And I feel like it's everything I've been through has built such a strong like shell and has built the character that I'm able to do what I do now. You know what I'm saying? And like, I wouldn't be mad if he didn't do anything different. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like it's, that's what's built me. Just make sure you learn from it would be a good thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great thing. Make sure you learn from it or try and stay single for a little bit. Pervert. (laughs) Yeah. That would work too. (laughs) um what what are you doing now what what is your current occupation uh so i currently sell roofs siding and windows so i'm a you know quote-unquote project manager i'm really just in sales though okay but um so i was roofing i was doing that and then you know i i realized that roofers don't live long you know and roofing is the third most dangerous job and michigan and it's the second in the united states and um just the i remember i was picking up these two people for work too and just to, I, they're, yeah just to pause for a second it's yeah. the second most dangerous in the united states but the third most dangerous in michigan i'm guessing yeah. the extra dangerous job in michigan is being governor <laughs> i mean they tried to fucking kidnap and murder him. <laughs> yeah right all right, never mind. Go ahead. I, I oh, thought that was a great joke. So you can, I had. That is, to no, that is, I feel like it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is fucking gold. All right, but anyway. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I don't know. It's I fucking forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I I fucked that up for us. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you realize that roofing roofers don't live long. It's a dangerous job. You sales. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was, um, I was like, I was driving these two people home from work too for like probably like six or eight months straight. And I feel like, well, one of them was like 38. The other one was like 40. And I don't mind helping if you want to help yourself, you know what I'm saying? But it's like over time, it's like these people were just fucking waiting to get pulled over instead of like making plans to get their license back and get their own shit. You know what I mean? And and I'd pick them up for work and they'd have a hard time bringing their tools. I'd always help with the tools and shit. And after work, they're like limping back in the house, dude. And I'm like, is this me when I'm fucking 40? You know what I'm saying? And I worked for myself and I took that on and I realized what that really entailed. 
because I got I got that subcontracted me. That was about subcontracted to me. That was about three months of work that shit I was talking about. And then I made my own work happen for probably a month after that. And then winter got hard, and it's hard to keep work going when you know you have one employee like that starting off your company roofing with you know nothing. And I ended up like buying a truck. I had a Ford F two fifty Super Duty with the ladder rack and the whole deal and compressors and guns. And I still had my car too. And I was doing the damn thing, but I realized that like all I would ever be is like a subcontractor, or maybe I would get to a point where like. I would own my own company roofing, but it would break me down so bad that it's like, is that what I really want? Do I want to be right. that close with drug addicts that, you know, that's their full-time job because most roofers are drug addicts when that's one of my biggest battles in my life. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm going to constantly have to deal through, deal with doing something like that is siphoning through drug addicts and who's going to work and who's going to not, who's not going to work and who knows what's going to trigger me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I realized that like I a, really, uh, a steep cliff to stand next to. Yeah, and I remember um, somebody came – I remember I was really into, like, the a bad part of my addiction this last time I went to rehab, and my little brother came over, and he brought his friend, and uh, what's it called? His friend actually told me about his job, which is the job I have now. He said, all I do is sell this stuff, and all I could see is, like, this is – this makes sense to me. I've always kind of been able to talk to people whenever I'm in a, on a roof full of roofers, the boss always asks me to go to talk to the homeowner. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I know I could do this in a way, but I really want to learn the whole brains behind how a big company works like that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm finally to a point where like, I feel like I've got a good grasp on it, but I really don't feel like you're ever doing shit unless you're doing it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, your Kyle, you know, your podcast and, you know, the whole deal. I feel like you're never really living life in a way. Like, I feel like you're always, you know, dedicating your life to somebody else's dreams, working for somebody else. And I feel like this would give me a good foundation to build from, but I've, you know, I've got, it was, it was pretty much an emotional roller coaster for a while. I've been doing it since I, I was like two or three months sober when I started the roofing sales. So I'm like, you know what I mean? And Right. it's a hundred percent physical work now it's a hundred percent mental so i gotta learn all of these crazy things and you like it better um i do like it better sometimes you know what i'm saying sometimes it's hell but i i love it yeah i i would say i'd love it you know what i mean but it's it's an emotional roller coaster every day but i feel like it makes me stronger you know what i'm saying yeah i feel you man but yeah, this is my first full year this year, and I've sold one million and fifty thousand in good business. So Woo! I just broke the million mark. Good shit. So I'm they give you a pen. Yeah, they gave me no. <laughs> no, he's he's about to buy me a truck and um or a Sprinter van. It's gonna say the company's name, Rock Solid, on the side and shit. But I will be able to drive that full time instead of my car. And I fucking bought this car. I think in in June with 47,000 miles on it. And I think I got 78 or 79,000 miles on it That's now. That's quick. Yeah. So what's it called? This whole job, they get a room full of telemarketers and then they got well, people who send out emails and people who are answer the phones. And there's websites like home advisor and Angie's list that people go to, to get appointments. And 
there's a, a few girls that call those appointments and get those scheduled. And then there's a team of canvassers of like four or five people and they just go knock doors in neighborhoods that were doing work or neighborhoods they got like wind damage or something. And they'll go try and get these appointments and they just, I'm the person that goes and tries to sell it. And um, so I, I mean, this is like a, I feel like it's a great company to be a part of, you know what I'm saying? And to be able to have my own company truck, I, you know, is great. But um, it's a real it's, sign of progress within the company if they give you one of them. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, definitely. No, they're good people and they definitely treat me well. You know what I mean? All right, but, man. Um, we we just have a a couple more questions that ended out. Um, is there any people that you've never met that you find inspiring in your life? Um, not like people you've never met. Like they could be celebrities or former presidents or politicians or musical artists actors fucking wall street guys athletes have there mm -hmm. is there anybody you've never met that you're like that's an inspiring person that i that i don't want to say role model but sort of like a role model yeah a few of them there's um you ever hear of tony robbins oh yeah oh yeah he's 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 up there uh or have you ever heard of eric thomas I have not heard of Eric Thomas. What, what's he about? He, he, he kind of does the motivational thing, kind of a little bit similar, but very different from Tony Robbins. He's a whole other person, you know, but another motivational speaker, life coach type deal. And he, um, he was homeless in Detroit. And he, like his story is amazing. You know what I mean? He's homeless from Detroit and his upbringing was hard, but you could relate to him because you could hear the Detroit in his voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm from near there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Um, is there anything, um, any type of media that that you find really important um, for people to have in their life? Um, it could be a movie, an album, a song, a TV show, a book, whatever, that you that's been a big part of your life that you want to suggest for other people. Yeah, honestly, if, um, to, yeah, to get, you know, a nice tone to start your day, uh, first of all, the first half hour, I think it's half hour, 25 minutes, I gotta look it up, but the first half hour of your day when you wake up, that's when your subconscious is the most impressionable, so I always recommend, like, right when you wake up, the first half hour to put something like Tony Robbins on or something in your ear and to start the tone of the day, you know what I mean? And sometimes when I'm feeling down, I'll flip Tony Robbins or one of those guys, Les Brown, or actually another really cool one, this guy named um, Tom Bailu or something. He runs the show. It's called impact theory and he's dedicated his life to self-improvement and life coaching and trying to take whatever you're passionate about and blowing it up in a book. Um, I think I have it over here. It's this one book that pretty much changed the game. And I, I'm still rereading it. But it's a Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have you ever heard of that one? Rich Dad Poor Dad? I've heard of yeah. it. What is it about? It's pretty much um, this, this guy or this kid at the time where his dad was, you know, rich in a way. But he, his dad, he went to college. He got his master's and I forgot what it was. I think engineering, but he, he owned companies, but he was in a shit ton of debt. You know, he had car payments, he had house payments. He owned a huge house, tons of cars. You know what I'm saying? He had a great paying job, but he was constantly in debt. 
like even after all the college education, the great companies. And he had his friend's dad who like started from nothing and, um, you know, became rich without debt like that, you know, a complete like serial entrepreneur that, and it breaks down of like just all the little tendencies that you're taught as kids, like the way you're told to like take out the garbage, the way that that is phrased to you. And it breaks it down better, you know what I mean? But like, it breaks down the difference in the psychology of your rich dad and a poor dad. But, you know, whether you think you're rich, but living that rat race lifestyle of what, how it's really just instilled in your brain as a kid and to break out of it, you literally have to rewire yourself. And luckily he had his friend's dad who was already doing it. So he chose to have his friend's dad kind of raise him with his whole, you know, mindset. And when you're talking about that, but it kind of shows you the difference between really just the psychology and how small and simple the things that need to be twisted are you know what I'm saying from when you were born from just the way you're talked to or the way you talk to people and the way you do things and it it really breaks it down to the nitty-gritty of like what was the difference between his dad and this dad you know what I mean and it's just psychology of the way you looked at everything like I forgot there's a few of them that were like you know your perspective on stuff I feel like perspectives like everything and this book really gets into it but it really touches on you know, building assets and putting your money into like stuff that's going to pay you and putting, you you know, you're all into that instead of being an actual dad right now. I feel like I really should read that book like pronto. No. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I have like, I'm, I'm obsessed with like self-improvement and getting like to a point where I could help everybody that I love and help everybody that are trying to do the right thing without having it that my bank bank account at all you know what I'm saying and it's like an itch that just flicks at my head every day and I don't have kids but I feel like that's all I focus on is like when I do have a kid I'm gonna be so you know you know whether I have a kid or not I'd like and I'd like to I was battling that for a while like I don't want to bring a kid into this world you know what I'm saying with all this social media and how controlling you know it gets but like you know if you play it right it could, parenthood probably could be beautiful which I, you oh, know, I don't have kids but I'm loving it yeah but yeah no I would definitely recommend reading this book right, I'm gonna try to go get my hands on it as quick as I can um all right Next thing, I'm trying to remember because I usually go by uh, a thing in my phone that reminds me what all the normal questions are, but I'm trying to do it off the top of my head this time. Um, Quote, there it is. That's what we're looking for. Um, I asked everybody to prepare a quote before they come on. Um, Did you have one prepared? Uh, I had one. I had one prepared, but I liked something else that I said better. Go with whichever one you like. It's a hard one. I'll tell you two anyways, but um, the one I like better is probably the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. And And I remember somebody else, I don't know who it's by. I said it in the middle of this podcast though, and I feel like that's one I like better. And then I I heard somebody else say, uh, tell me about their friend. I I don't have any, you know, who it was exactly what he, he said that every or when he goes through a day and he feels like he didn't learn something he feels like he's dying inside you know what i'm saying 
and I feel like I feel the same feeling the only time I really feel like empty and like shitty like I'm dying inside like that like I'm just rotting is when I haven't learned anything and I don't realize that until I you know learn something new or like you get that feeling and I feel like the if you know if you're not constantly learning you're dying inside but what a good quote that you could put I just looked it up by the way it it was Albert Einstein was that yeah and it's and the direct quote is the day you stop learning is the day you start dying okay yeah yeah or the one I wrote down is Henry Ford failure is the only opportunity to begin again more intelligently I, I think that's a beautiful thing just to hearing about your story. I mean, you've, you failed over and over again until you were able to finally succeed and you've kept that success up mostly, I would say, because you, you had failed before and you know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and to, I'm getting to a point where like, you know, I am big brother, you know what I'm saying? And I, some, you know, a few people, how you say that, like, you know, I have a following and stuff. And if I do, I try to, you know, be a light that I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Be a light to show that like, if you give back, like that's what's going to make our community a better place. You know what I'm saying? And help everybody else around us thrive. Like it's so contagious that it's like subconsciously contagious. You know what I'm saying? Just energy of you being in the room and being a positive impact on somebody else's life. Like it, it goes so much longer than just like helping somebody like you feel it inside of you you know what i'm saying if i feel like more people spent as much time that they're spending you know following these elections or worrying about what's going on with like the covid and who's lying about it and what could we do what should we do you know or trying to challenge what's going on and constantly being glued to the phone i feel like if they spend as much energy or even a quarter or a fraction of the amount of energy looking at the phone following all the bullshit that's going on that just like thinking of something they could do to help somebody that day or make them happy. And it probably won't take long to think about something like that, but like, like what it would do to people if they just, you know, spend a day or a week, you know, trying to, you know, just put out a little bit more than they're taking in. I feel like, you know, you'd, it goes a long way. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain. It absolutely does. Um, We only have one last thing and then the sign off. So, we we've made it uh to the two hour mark somehow that's um, crazy but but yeah we just got this one last thing on the side off um it's it's not in here babe okay. sorry uh my girlfriend was coming in looking for a stuffed animal for my daughter um <laughs> but the hell is it <laughs> I, I don't see it it might be up there All right, sorry. Um, no, a lot dead. of the time, a lot of the time, the guests, um, children or girlfriends, chime in. And you see a bit of real life popping into the podcast. This is the very first time you saw my real life pop into the podcast. So, yeah, whatever it happens, 
My daughter yeah, needed bro. Fufa. That's right. Your bro, your baby needs Fufa, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what she calls the stuffed animal for some reason. Yeah, no problem um, with that, man. You know, I'm happy to be a part of this, and it's good to see you. You know, going to get the Fufa for the little baby girl. You know what I'm saying? You got to. You got to. Because there is a lot of people that we, you know, grew up with that are around our age that don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> well, I mean, and all that's really going on is get babies the Fufa, and life will be fine. Straight up. Otherwise, you're 60% banana. <laughs> 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 that's that's the fucking f- new philosophy on life. Get the baby the fufa <laughs> or your 60% banana. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, man. Uh the last thing that we do before we sign off um well, uh, the last question and then the sign off is I just want you to kind of detail for me what it is that makes you feel grateful, that makes you feel thankful in life, that makes you feel like life is worth living and that life is a positive thing. What is it in your life that makes you feel happy and thankful? Happy and thankful. Um, around Thanksgiving, it's a beautiful thing to talk about. And it's sometimes it kind of makes me sad when people put up their Christmas trees before Thanksgiving. Because it's like you, Thanksgiving is like, you got to be, you know, really toning in on being thankful instead of what am I going to get or what am I going to give? You know what I mean? And like, I'm thankful. It's like a, you, it's like something I build over time, constant, you know, appreciation and thankful thankfulness. Like I wake up in the morning and I steer my brain into appreciation. And if I don't, I feel like I'm like empty inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it's, I feel like it's kind of like, I, I don't want to say like a chore, but it's something that you need to put effort in. You yeah, you need to I'm make saying? sure that you like, you realize what you have in the world to be thankful for. It, it kind of puts yeah. everything into per, into perspective. Right, exactly. I, there's a tons of things that you know I could say I'm thankful for, but like I'd rather not like read off a script of like my grandparents and my little brother and stuff. But I'm most thankful for just like a second chance at life. I feel like I've got you know what I'm saying. I feel like a lot of series of unfortunate events you know led me into a tunnel that I burrowed myself out of and I'm able to finally make something that's real you know what I'm saying something that I'm not worried about being artificial or being you know under the influence not real you know I just don't want it if it's real I'm thankful that I'm not letting in anything in my life unless it is real you know unless it is pure and that's all I wanted to be able to give out you know what I'm saying and I feel like it does come back to God you know being able to give back and live what God is preaching and be that example because that's there's so much negativity and if you put your phone up to the news or you put the tv on the news or put your phone on any type of news or social media that the negativity could eat you alive you know what I'm saying oh for sure yeah so I feel like that's also a battle to be appreciative because there's so much outside sound and noise around that will just shake you and make you lose focus on we have so much to be thankful for you know what i'm saying we're on a podcast on a little fucking tv screen because this world has came this far we were born at one of the most amazing times that anybody could have been born at and we have so many opportunities in the palm of our hand 
to be able to do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I'm saying? And we live in the best country in the world. So I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You know, it might be a little bit shaky now, but there's so much that if you let the world get to you, you'll lose it. So I feel like appreciativeness and thankfulness is a gift. You know what I'm saying? That you literally have to fight for every day. Otherwise, the world will just take it away from you. You know what I'm saying? Especially right now. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, this video chat thing that we're doing right now, we're having a two and a half hour conversation that we're recording and putting out for people to listen to. And people are going to listen to it in their free time or in their headphones at work just, you know, for fun and or for for support or for whatever, like something they don't need to do, but they're going to do. They're going to listen to a two hour conversation that we have recorded on this little box. This is some Jetson yeah. shit. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's, dude. it's happening right now. <laughs> Right, and it's going to play out of their box that they're driving to their work. <laughs> exactly, you know it's crazy. <laughs> you don't think about it, but it's crazy. Yeah, and it's amazing, you know what I'm saying? And there's so much stuff that it's so easy to take things for granted because there's so many spoiled brats out there that if you let them into your brain and into your life too much, they'll start, you'll start, you know, acting bougie and, like, things ain't really shit so it's like you feel like you gotta keep that appreciation because there is so much to be thankful for especially in dark times like this you know what i'm saying exactly. i feel like i'm you know it's hard to it's, a, it's hard on people right now but it's something we need more than anything right now is to stay appreciative of the little stuff mostly you know for sure man for sure. all right and the last thing that we do that uh, ends the podcast entirely is the sign off, which is um, something new that I've been doing. I, I've always ended it by asking the guests to say the catchphrase, which is stay trail. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a fan of hip hop and Houston hip hop gave me that phrase and it's fucking cool. It means it reminds stay me of ASAP Rocky. Yeah, that's where I got it from was ASAP Rocky. Yes, he's a, sir. He's from Harlem, but he has a very Houston style. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I just changed it up a little bit in the past two or three episodes where it's, I, I want the guest to end the episode where when I'm done talking, I'll be done talking for the whole episode and you'll end it for me and you'll end it by saying, stay trill and, and then say whatever you want. Cause I, I stole that from another podcast who is, right. um, who uh, it's called whiskey ginger with Andrew Santino. And he's like, all right, you end the podcast. Just just say whatever you want. And like some people will go on like a two minute, three minute rant where they're like, and the meaning of life is these molecules come together and it's a beautiful, and they'll like, they'll have this beautiful outro. And some people will be like lasagna and then hit click and it'll be done. So like, it's really an opportunity for you to end it any way you want. Just so when I finish my little uh, rant here, explaining it, all I need you to do is say, stay trill, and and then say whatever you want to say. Uh, okay. Got it. All right. Just spit it out, and we'll end this thing on a good note. Stay trill, motherfuckers. You're 60% banana. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the More Than That Podcast with Kyle Bender. I am your host, Kyle Bender, as the title would lead you to believe. 
What's going on right now with me is holiday season. Some people say that uh, Christmas season, holiday season, whatever, it starts after Halloween, which I think is freaking ridiculous. I th it starts after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And there's your guest spot for my daughter. She's talking about something. Um, but my um, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, so the fact that we always skip over it by going straight from Halloween to Christmas is fucking crazy to me. Um, Thanksgiving, obviously, because of COVID, was a little bit more low-key this year than usual. Um, it was just the people that lived in the house, and we ordered out instead of cooking, because if you're just going to have the people that live in your house, no need to cook a big meal, in my opinion. Um, but, no, dude... When I was a kid, I did not realize how much stress it is on your wallet. That My figurative wallet, because I don't actually carry a wallet, but like how much stress holiday season is on your wallet. When I was growing up, I mean, it was just Santa doing it, so no biggie. But even, even when I got to be like a teenager and I, I had a job and I was buying for like my mom, dad, and brother, I would give them each like one thing and I would spend like two, three hundred dollars. It's no problem. But... I'm not going to, like, disclose the amount, but, like, when you, uh, when you've got three kids and a girlfriend and then still both of your parents and all that shabazz, it's, it gets to be a lot, man. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's the most cliche thing I could talk about, but it's real. I mean, it's not, it's a cliches or cliche for a reason. It's because it's true and it's true fucking often. Um, so, I don't know, just a little bit in the intro I wanted to share in our commemorative pain, not commemorative, collective, that's better, commemorative would be like a fucking coin that you see on HVC, um, but anyway, I, I feel like everyone's kind of going through the same thing to one extent or another, and some of you may have, may have planned better, so, uh, hit me up if you did, and let me know your ways, but... I don't know. I, I feel like before we get to introing the guest, I just wanted to share um, and share in our collective agony. And um, the holiday will come and go. We'll get out of the year of 2020 into 2021. And uh, when the clock strikes midnight, all of our problems, including this virus, will magically vanish. That's what I've been told, and that's what I'm sticking with. Obviously, I'm joking, and uh, let's get to introducing the guest. Today's guest is a person who goes by Anthony Hamilton. I'm not sure why I said it like that. You know, it's his name. All right, anyway, my guest today is Anthony Hamilton. He is one of the more inspiring individuals that I know, um, just because of what he's overcome and the type of life that he lives now, or at least how it looks to me. I, um, when I, I know him like I know many of my other guests from Butcher Community High School, um, he was a classmate of mine there, but the thing that made me really think of him and say, you know what, I need to try to get him on here is because I've seen his progress and what he's done in his life so far, or uh, since then, I mean, but he gave the speech, um, at our high school, at our graduation ceremony, he gave a really inspiring speech. And I don't want to give away any of the details, but just know it has to do with overcoming drug addiction and problems with the law. And at, um, after that, he's 
ventured into roofing, and I believe now he's in um, he's in the sales of of uh, of roofing still, I think. But he's also like very pivotal in his brother's hip hop career, and um, he's he just um, is a creative individual who is involved in whatever type of creativity he can get his hands on, really. Um, but the idea of the story that he told at our graduation ceremony is what brought me here, and I had him explain it in a lot more detail in this episode. And plus, we get into the usual, like, what life was like for you growing up and how it inspired you and shaped you into the person you are now. So with those things combined, I think it turns out to be a really good episode. And my friend Anthony is a very inspiring individual that I think you could all take a little bit of a lesson from. Not to sound like I'm arrogant on his behalf or anything, but it's just, it's just how I feel. Alright, so without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's hear what he has to say. Let's go!